Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Uh, Chicago's Afternoon News. We're in for Lisa Dent. 312-981-7200, the phone number. We are just talking about restaurants and businesses and just uh, trying to stay above board uh, over the past two years in particular with the pandemic. Uh, shifting gears just a little bit to a restaurant group. It's the 5050 Restaurant Group. And one of the two founders of the 5050 Restaurant Group is with us on the line. And uh, for a particular reason, Scott Weiner uh, joins us to talk about something that, Scott, uh, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I got to tell you how confused we were about talking with you this afternoon. Oh, thanks so much. It's an honor to be two legends of radio I get to talk to. Oh, thank you, Scott. I honestly was a little freaked out because I said, you mean we're going to talk about haunted radios? I mean, restaurants? And and you have to realize, Scott, when our uh, producers uh, brought this to us and they said, we're going to talk about ghost restaurants. Our history goes back to Chicago's ghost hunter, Richard Crow, who talked about About? restaurants that were haunted. But the, I've been in a few myself. But the, the ghost kitchens that we want to talk about, this is very serious business. Um, uh, Channel 9 did a big investigation on ghost kitchens, right, Scott? Yeah. And and explain what a ghost kitchen is, because people may not know that these things actually exist. Well, you know, the reality is that nobody really knows what a ghost kitchen is, because the city, the state, there's still no true definition of what a ghost kitchen is, but um you know generally speaking it's a it's a it's a manufacturing place where customers don't come in to actually sit down and dine right so it's a place serving food that's not customer facing is is what the general consensus of what a ghost kitchen is so they're not then beholden to the county with the health regulations and rules and some of those are incredibly strict is that correct you know what for the most part they're they're really not beholden to anything Hmm. Um, you know, they're sure. And, and that, that might be an overgeneralization, but a restaurant is defined pretty narrowly by the city, at least. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got to have certain things, whether that be, you know, for the ADA or health permits mm-hmm. or this or that it needs to be located in a certain area where, you know, a ghost kitchen can manufacture from legitimately from a, from a food truck somewhere. And it could it could be as we've seen in apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be in a warehouse. So there's really not a lot of oversight right. with these ghost kitchens. Um, you know, one of the reasons that restaurants open up on streets that are meant for restaurants is because you know neighborhood zoning they they prepare for that. Right? Mm-hmm. There's places for people to park, to walk to. Um, ghost kitchens are popping up in neighborhoods where, you know, there may have been the expectation of these zoning districts there might be one delivery a day or two a day. And many neighborhoods across Chicago are, you know, experiencing drivers, you know, hundreds an hour. Hmm. So there's really a lot of work to be done from the legislative team, Um, not to mention the fact that the ghost kitchens don't have the same kind of overhead that a true brick-and-mortar restaurant really has mm-hmm. isn't so, the, 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 i'm gonna i'm gonna make a weird comparison here but is yeah. this kind of like the early days of uber or lyft compared with 
regulated taxi cab companies where you've got these independents that are trying to provide the same service, but uh, you're not sure that of the quality you're going to be getting, and, and some need, there needs to be some regulation for them. You know what? That is a really good comparison, and that's exactly how I would compare it. Um, a regulated industry that um, there was a lot of quality got decimated by the quote-unquote disruptors. That's exactly what happened when Amazon came in and started destroying all the brick-and-mortar retail on our, our main streets, right? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what these ghost kitchens now are doing to your restaurants. Um, on top of the point where they're, you know, they're deceptive, Right. Um, In all fairness, I've got to say, I don't think everyone is doing this knowing that they're doing something illegal, because I can say partly personal. I just mentioned that there was a time when we stopped working full time when I gave serious thought to um, baking gluten free baked goods. And Johnny had been approached by uh, some some local uh, places saying, if you would supply supply these, we would sell them. Well, it never crossed my mind that the the only reason I didn't do it was it seemed like an awful lot of work, and I thought I was going to get in over my head. But honestly, in my heart of hearts, I did not think that I would be doing anything wrong, much less illegal. Well, and and you know what? And and you weren't going to do anything wrong, right? Because you also weren't going to be the one really making most of the money off of this. You were going to basically produce product from somewhere. And sell it. That was going to go to an established business. Yeah. That was going to take probably 30% of what you did. Mm-hmm. Now, what you didn't know on the back end was, yes, the person that's going to be delivering your food to somebody's house they may not have a food handler certification. Mm-hmm. In fact, they may be an independent contractor. And, and let's be honest, an independent contractor, in my opinion, is someone that's starting their own business. It's not somebody driving for Uber. Right. So what you didn't know is that they were going to be essentially taking advantage of labor, the people that need money the most to mm-hmm. deliver that product. And at the same time, you also didn't know that the food that came from you, you know, celiac, um, that was prepared in a certain way to keep people safe mm-hmm. was going to be delivered in the same vehicle that a human being was transported oh. in via mm-hmm. an Uber drive yeah. um, 20 minutes earlier. So there's a lot of problems, and to their credit, they are disruptors. They've definitely done that. But if we're not careful, they're going to destroy all the local restaurants that make our neighborhoods vibrant, okay. just like the taxi industry was destroyed and just like Listen, I mean, my first restaurant was on Division Street in Wicker Park, Mm -hmm. and the retail stores back then, the boutiques were incredible. Yeah. That was in 08. Ten, you know, now it's 14 years later. We're about to Mm -hmm. celebrate anniversary. That's 14 years of Amazon. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of chain stores these days, and a lot of these ghost kitchens, if you actually look up and you want to pick up, you'll find that they're actually going to Chuck E. Cheese or Chili's. It's not necessarily supporting these local restaurants like Mm -hmm. you might think. So how do how, how do we deal with this? What can we do if this is such a big problem that really puts us in a position of possibly seeing the restaurant business forever changing if we don't do something now? So what does what does it require? And for for all of the people who say, "Oh, but we're so overregulated," isn't this a specific case where some regulation is needed? I think that there's a place for regulation in everything we do, you know, I mean we're, we're definitely not a 100% pure capitalistic market out there. So the regulations are there. Now it's just a matter of making sure it works for the right people, mm-hmm. um, which is the locals. 
my suggestion is it's always been if you want to order from a specific restaurant, go onto their website or call them. Okay. Yeah. But even stronger, and, and and I know I say this potentially might not everyone agree with, but don't try something new. Don't try a restaurant you've never heard of before mm-hmm. on Grubhub or Uber. You know, I personally, if I've never heard of a restaurant and I've never been in their facility, I'm probably not going to go ahead and try that food. Mm-hmm. And the WGN uh, made it another great, uh, the TV did another great analogy of a guy took it out of his apartment pretending to be the famous restaurant Blackbird, Blackbird right? Blackbird, yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, I'm good friends with Donnie Medea, and he was he was in hysterics because, you know, this is a guy that spent 20 years developing a brand mm-hmm. that won him a James Beard Award, and he's got some guy essentially yeah. using his IP. Yeah. So That really stinks. Know, so I, I would suggest to people that if, if you want to support restaurants that actually – or on your that make your community that spend money within your community, go go ahead and call them. And uh, I tell you what, you know, Scott, if we are able to make this happen, if we can get someone from one of these ghost kitchens to join us on Wednesday's show, would you come back with us? Uh, so Wednesday, I've got my annual but, leadership meeting. Well, we'll uh, talk about it off the air because about. I would like to. I'm sure that there are going to be people saying, "Wait, I'm not doing anything yeah. wrong." But we we will follow up on this. Uh, so, uh, Scott, I'm I'm willing to go up on the air anytime, any anytime okay. where I'm not already scheduled to talk okay. about this. You with got anybody it. from the ghost kitchens, 100. All right, we'll work with you. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate Thanks your time lot, today. Scott.